here's the deal with my papa. Well, good morning, and thank you, Jordan, again for that introduction to um, Here's the Deal with Danny Sitters. But today, I am Danny Sitters. I am the, the interviewer, and that is because Jeff Adair, who typically interviews me, was the speaker preaching Sunday uh, morning. And so I get the opportunity to sit over here and uh, interview him and ask him questions and kind of put him on the spot. And I just got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to this. So anyway, good morning, Jeff. How are you? And are you ready for for this morning? I'm doing good. I am ready. Um, It is kind of... Uh, scary a little bit, I got to say. It's, it's weird being on the other side of this. So um, it's, I'm, I'm ready for new things, though. I'm ready. Now, if I remember right, the first week you popped a lot of surprises on me. I and did. So I got to tell you, I don't have any. So it's just going to be the back and forth uh, between us. So now that we're hit record, I wasn't too scared of that because I knew it would take a lot of technology to make that happen. <laughs> so if, if now if you're going to ask me to do a couple things, I would have yeah. I would have I would have known. But yeah, yeah, you, he knows that I am technologically challenged, and so that was not a possibility. But um, there have been requests for you to sing a song, so oh, that boy. might come up at some point in, in the podcast. If this thing goes south, then we'll just have you sing. Oh, if you can go further south, it will after that. <laughs> anyway, well, glad everybody is here, and so let, let's jump into it. Let's do it. Um, so you got the opportunity to stand up and, and speak and, and, and to preach. Um, just by way of introduction, do you enjoy that? Uh, did you enjoy the experience? What was it like for you? How did you feel? Just just some introductory thoughts here. Well, to begin with, no, I do not. The idea of getting up in front of a group of people uh, scares me, makes me shake. But like I've said before, uh, before I became a Christian, never would have thought of doing that. But because I became a Christian, I th- think that we're supposed to do those things that make us feel uncomfortable. Because I've always thought of it as the spirit poking you, saying, "Hey, these feelings you're having are good to have. So you go ahead and move out, and I've got you." And I've I've always thought of it that way. No, I don't like it, but I do it because yeah. I like talking, as you as you know. <laughs> so, yeah. well, good, good for you. Yeah. So it, it, every year they ask people their two greatest fears, and the number one fear is speaking in public, and the number two fear is the fear of dying, oh, wow. which as people before me have said this is not original with me that if you're at a funeral that means that you would rather be in the coffin or in the casket than up front speaking doing the eulogy (laughs) great so true i understand that uh, completely by the way so and i forgot to tell you this we're changing the name of the podcast this week okay so since i say here the here's the deal all the time so the podcast is here's the deal with danny sitters Today it's called, um, I was going to say. I was going to say, yeah. So Jeff, if you I ever talk to him, you say something to him, he says, well, I was going to say, you know, da-da-da-da. So yeah. anyway, today's podcast is called, I was going to say, uh, with Jeff Adair. Let me get a tally going on. How many times I say that here? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so before we get into the text of, of where you came, where you preached from Sunday, yeah. um, what, what would you say was your... The, the 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 objective of the sermon what was it that you wanted to communicate to the audience well you know we came from uh, i had a vacation here last weekend a couple weekends ago and we came across uh, some controlled burns and some fire and i uh, you had mentioned in a sermon uh, about a month or so ago about purifying fire and that had always 
intrigued me. So I'd done my own kind of thought process into it and uh, devotional reading into it. And the awesomeness that comes from it is kind of weird to say, but fire would bring the, you know, the purifying fire that, that, he, that Jesus talks about and how he talks about it in the text that I uh, preach from. But what that comes from, when we set things on fire, that beauty does come from it. That it, it does, there's some pain and there's some, some loss, but there is beauty that comes from it. Okay, good. So here's the text. Luke chapter 12, and starting in verse 49, here are the words of Jesus. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled or already burning. (laughs) But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think that I've come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Mm. Then he goes on to talk about the division in, in families. Um, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, and, and, and so forth. And just on the surface, oh, that, that's a tough yeah. text to hear. Yes. Much less to uh, begin to think about, you know, how, how to apply it. So you really, you went up there with a, with a challenge before you oh, yeah. uh, to, to communicate. So I guess my first question, um, you know, Jesus says, hey, look, I, I, I've come to bring fire. And, and I've got a, a baptism to undergo. And um, I haven't come to bring peace. Yeah. I'm, I come with division. Right. And so I think it's a, a challenge for us to sort of wrap our head around that. But in other places, I, I was thinking about in um, John chapter 14, um, Jesus says, um, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So in in one text, Jesus said, I, I haven't come to bring peace. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's fire. It's division. Baptism, right? And the idea of baptism is that I'm totally submersed. I'm going under. Yeah, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, in, in that context, it's a, uh, somewhat of a, a metaphor for death. Yes. Right? So I, I haven't come to bring that. But then in John, he says, but my peace... I leave with you my peace I give to you so that we, you know, that that, that we are overcomers in this world. It almost sounds like a contradiction. How how would you reconcile, hey, I haven't come to bring peace. Hey, I leave peace with you. How would you you deal with that? Well, if if, if any of you have spent time with me in Bible studies, you would know that my one of the first things I say is context is key. So I would say in the context in John, he was he was telling his disciples he was getting ready to leave and he's getting ready to to die on the cross and he knew their hearts and they knew that he knew that they were going to be troubled and they were going to be a little scared. So he was saying, Hey, don't worry. My peace is here with you guys. I'm leaving it with you. And then in the context of Luke, he had just gotten done telling the disciples in a crowd, Hey, better watch yourself. Things are coming. Things happen. And then it's sandwiched in between a story of, of how we, uh, he's got the division and then he is into the, um, the end of times. So, and then after that end of time story, he talks about the people who are like, hey, there's people dying over here, Jesus. How come they're not doing this? 
So he is letting everybody know, watch out, there's going to be division, but then the end of times are coming, but then things are going to happen. So I would say context is key. The division is going to happen. I mean, all you have to do is drive down the highway and see the division in churches. So, I mean, it's still here, but I would say the context. I wouldn't say they contradict themselves. Okay. Okay. Good answer. So if I hear you right, what you're saying is that with Jesus, there can be no peace and there can be peace. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's, it's a fascinating idea that Jesus comes to bring peace. But I think in in John, he says, my peace, I leave with you. It's at the end. Right. Not at the beginning. There you go. Yeah. See, I want peace at the beginning. Right. I want. Hey, I want. I want to. I want to surrender my life to Jesus and everything be rosy and on top of the world, looking down on creation. That's I don't know. Is that a Loretta Lynn <laughs> song? I think, that is. <laughs> I, think nice. I just dated myself so bad because uh, that's the example I heard growing up yeah. in sermon. Like, we want it to be easy street. Yeah. And Jesus said, "Hang on. No, I haven't come to give you that." Now, there, there, there's some things that we have to go through in life. Yeah. There are challenges. There, there are divisions. Um, he, he, he comes to separate. Right. Right? I, I totally surrender my life. But as I go through that process, when I, when I do get to the end, oh, man, there, there's peace. That's the peace. You know, I have peace in my heart. Yeah. I have peace in my life. I'm, I'm ready. I know that... Um, I know that I know in whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able, you know, to yeah. save me for this day or for that day. But yeah, we just want it we just want it up front. Yeah, that's true. But but there's a lot of work that, that we have to go through that we have to evaluate. So anyway, no, I just thought that was a, a, a interesting idea that um, in John, Jesus said, here's my peace. But in Luke, he said, I, I haven't come to bring peace. Yeah, so he's known as the Prince of Peace. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. yeah. So um, we didn't really talk about this earlier, but then you read from 54 on down that um, he, Jesus says to the crowd after they heard this, after they heard him say when you see a cloud rising in the west, you'll say it's going to rain. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it does. And when the south wind blows, it's going to be hot. And it is. And then he calls them hypocrites. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. How is it that you don't know how to in- to interpret this present time? Mm-hmm. What do you think Jesus is saying there? How does that kind of add depth to what he had just mentioned earlier about you know, I haven't come to bring peace. What What is he trying to communicate there? He's letting them know. Well, I would say that as he's talking to this big crowd, the Messiah, their Jesus is telling them, hey, your idea of Messiah is, is, is not right because I'm standing in front of you. And you guys can tell that the wind's blowing from the west. Yet yeah, there's, there's going to be a storm coming, but I'm Jesus in front of you, God's son, and you can't see me. How I wish you could see me right now. That's kind of what I was thinking wow. when he would say, I wish it was blazing right now. Yeah. Like, I wish you guys could see me right now. Yeah, see me for who I am. Yeah. No, that's, that's, a, that's a good way to, to think about it. You know, I also thought about, are there, are there things in our lives that we, we know or we might see but we don't acknowledge? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Right? Hmm. I just refuse to acknowledge it. I refuse to act on it. 
We, we all tend to, you know, over the past year, we've all looked out and we've become, you know, um, what would you call it, COVID philosophers oh, or yes. uh, prophets. That's, that's the word. <laughs> We've all been COVID prophets, yeah. and, man, we're predicting, and we see signs, and we're able to. Pre- but when it comes to Jesus, am I able to look at myself and interpret and, and, and to see things and to make those changes? Yeah. But, again, it, it, it's still harsh. Jesus called them hypocrites. Right. In other words, play acting. Yeah. They look good on the surface, but not so good on the inside. Yeah, you know. So anyway, yeah. I, I again, I applaud you for um, going through that particular text um, and 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 sharing that with us. Um, so I guess here's a question I have for you. You said in the sermon that in, in dealing with this purifying fire. And, and, and divisions, you know, right again, we're working on ourselves. You said it's important that we take a look at our lives. Yeah. How, what, how would you suggest, what are some practical things? I, you want me to take a look at my life in relationship to a purifying fire. What, what does that mean? Well, it's, I would say an easy way to do that would be to when you're, when you're reading a Bible, when you're reading a Bible story, Insert yourself into that, into that story. Um, you know, just taking a, a good example of a story that most people would know, even that if they're the uh, fall in the category I used to be under, in the unchurched category, but the prodigal son. Uh, most people know the story of the prodigal son. So you could, you know, when I first became a Christian, I was the boy who left and said, hey, I want my money. I'm out of here. I'm going to go party and end up with the pigs. That was me. So I insert myself into that story. And then, then, you know, sometimes later on you can insert yourself, you know, five years later and find out that you're the older brother who's mad at the younger brother yeah. for coming home. And then, you know, I'm sure for uh, people who have heard it a lot longer than me that they're the dad who's just happy to have both their boys back. Hmm. Like, this is awesome. So you would insert yourself into those stories, into those characters, and then try to find out what Jesus is saying to you at that moment. Because that's going to, when you think about that, what Jesus is saying to you, you have no choice but to self-analyze and right. look at yourself. Right. Because that's what he wants you to do. And that's what we're called to do. Um, and then I would say another thing, as I kind of did it on the sermon, is once you figure out what areas of your life you need to burn off and reassess and look at, is, is write that down, journal it, and then share it with someone. I told everybody in the sermon to get a hold of me somehow. And and my thinking behind that is when you share it with somebody else, first of all, you're being vulnerable. And then you've inserted yourself into somebody else's shoes, which makes you more empathetic when you come across somebody who's a drug addict or somebody who may not look churched, if you will. Right. If I may say that. Um, Because that was me, you know, 12 years ago. I wasn't churched. And I looked, I'm pretty sure I looked unchurched <laughs> if I were to show you some pictures of, uh, of me back in the day. But it, it makes you, it just helps you in that way by looking at somebody else and say, I, well, you know, because I've heard stories be like, I can't relate to that or I can't relate to them. Um, and, and I just think to myself, you can. You, you mean you should, first of all, because we're called to, to help them. And, and second of all, when you insert yourself into the story, to their story, well, then you have no choice but to ask questions. Kind of like I brought up uh, a while back, Acts 15. First thing they did 
you know, the Jerusalem Council. They asked questions, and they told stories, and they told stories. And that's what you got to do to learn about people and grow relationships is to ask, ask people questions and tell their stories. So when you insert yourself and then you share with someone, so you're vulnerable and you know, and then you have a relationship started to share, and then growth is for everyone involved. So then that's, you know, to use like a marketing term, you take those two people and then they tell those two people and so on and so forth. Right. And think about that. So right. I would say insert yourself into the story and then share it with someone right. that, you, that you trust. So, and, and many people know your story, but you, you had a, a rough several years, maybe a little bit rough <laughs> upbringing and, and choices that you made. Oh, yeah. What, what kind of purifying fire did you experience when you came to Jesus and division, relationships? Were, were relationships severed? Oh, yeah. Were things burned off of your life? Can you, can you share a little bit about that? Oh, sure, yeah. I was, uh, well, I was raised by a police officer uh, and, a, and a banker. So, I mean, I say that because I'm a typical Midwest kind of guy. I went to a small school that had a gravel parking lot. Um, and I always, I always joked to say we had gun racks and tractors in the, in the parking lot. <laughs> Sounds like Louisiana. <laughs> say it's, it was country, but now it's now it's not, of course. But um, so I, I had, I mean, and I had an upbringing. We didn't go to church, but my mom did, and my dad did not as a kid. So we had, we had the, um, I would say, the foundation of, of of biblical truth in our in our family. Um, but I made choices after leaving the house, um, and I wound up. Um, becoming a drug addict because I didn't have, looking back, I was seeking something that I needed to be a part of. Because my dad was a police officer, like I said, and he has the union and they had, uh, I would go to their meetings. I was, I was, uh, I'm as, I'm as mini me. If you were to see my dad picture, I'm just like him. <laughs> so uh, I would always follow him around wherever he went. And I would, so I always go to those meetings and I would see the brotherhood that they had and the camaraderie they had. And I, I think looking back now, that's what I longed for. Mm-hmm. I always had trouble finding friends. Um, and when I did, they were always the wrong ones. Uh, that's what wound up being, being a drug addict in my twenties. Um, so my purifying fire would be, I lost a lot of my friends or so-called friends. I would say in air quotes, since nobody can see me right now. Um, I lost a lot of them. Uh, I still haven't talked to them in quite a long time, but, um, actually a few of them have found Jesus and I've actually talked to them since then, but that's just it. I haven't, you know, I haven't really mentioned anything right. else. But yeah, I'm, purifying fire was a lot, and a lifestyle. When you purify a, a drug addict's lifestyle, it is a complete 180. Because you are, I was going to work to buy drugs. I wasn't going to work to support my family or support a household or anything else. I was just going to, I was going to work to get high, so I could right. you know, continue to get high. And when you read stories of the Bible and you find your purpose, through what Jesus tells you and how you are, you take the blinders off would be a good way to say it. The scales fall off to use a, a Paul uh, reference. You kind of understand what everybody was talking about. Like, oh, why are all those people over there happy all the time? Well, because they have peace that right. we were talking about just a few right. minutes ago. I never had that. Yeah. I tried finding peace in chemicals and mm. lost relationships. Wow. That's where mine was. So you would say it was a, a, a challenge for you, difficult. It was somewhat painful for you to, oh, to go through purifying fires. Very, very difficult. Um, I did some outpatient. I didn't do any inpatient just because I didn't have the resources for that. 
so you now with outpatient stuff, you have some some treatments for uh, your I call them your you know your cravings, if you will. Right. So those were probably the toughest things, and then of course after the re- I had one relapse after I became a Christian, and I still cannot get over that. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of my things that I'm when I get up to heaven I'm going to say I'm sorry I did everything right except for that one thing. Yeah, uh, and that's just me. You know, that's my uh, to use another Paul reference. That's my thorn in the side that I carry around with me. I shouldn't have done that, but. Wow. Well, no, I appreciate you sharing that, you know. So um, let me ask you this. Would you say it was worth it to go through the the fire and the division? Definitely. So are you saying that for all of us, even even those of us who have been believers in Jesus for, for a long time, that fire and division can be good for us? Definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I use the analogy in the um, sermon on Sunday for the, the nourishment of the grass in the Flint Hills. When it comes back, it is more nourishment for the animals that are there. To use that analogy in my own life, uh, 100%. I wasn't nourishing anybody before uh, I you know, got clean. There was nothing coming out of my life that was fruitful of any kind. And then you have that purpose now. You're like, okay, I have... This, uh, I don't know what's that word I'm looking for. This ability now. I didn't have the ability before. It's it's a it's a strange thing to know that you have something now that you didn't have before. You're like okay, I, I have the ball and I'm going to run with it now. So you want to go and do things and set more things on fire in your life. Okay, like man, look at the good that came from this. I'm going to try it over here. Wow, that's a great phrase. I'm going to set this on fire. <laughs> that, you know, I, 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 that's just great. I never thought of it in those terms. You know, we think that, uh, well, we catch on fire, but I'm going to I'm going to burn this. Yeah, It's going to hurt, yes. right? Might be my left arm that's on fire, but I'm, I'm going to burn. That's a, that's a great way to say it. Yeah. I'm willing to go through the pain for the the joy and the peace that comes at the end of it and the hope wow it's like jesus looking beyond the cross to our lives right that's what i tell the the youth group he saw past all that to see you guys smiling right for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning his shame so that he could sit down at the right hand of the throne of the father um Man, that, that, that's good stuff. And so I'm sitting here, okay, I just sit here and listen to that and go, well, you know what? I'm fourth generation Church of Christ. I think we, we mentioned, it may be more than that. That's that's just as far that's as I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, preacher's kid raised in the church, went to Christian high school, went to Christian college, been in church, been in ministry, youth ministry, preaching. Do I, do I need to go through the fire? Are, do I need to be purified? Definitely. You know? And um, so, yeah, I may not be into drugs or my my picture is not on the wall at the post office right. of America's Most Wanted. You yeah. know, I haven't pulled anybody's hair in a long time. I haven't been in a fist fight. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't spread rumors about people. I'm, I'm a good, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. The problem is I know myself too well. Yeah. I, I know many times what my motives are and what I think and how critical, you know, I could be of others and yeah. how self-righteous 
I can get, well, look at me, I'm, you know, I'm in ministry. And honestly, how arrogant that, you know, the, the, the level of arrogance that can lead to. Yeah. And so, yeah, I felt it when you were preaching that Sunday. Yeah. I, f- I felt it. I felt the call. <sighs> that Man, we all stand in need of being purified. There, there are relationships that we need to take a look at. Yeah. And some we need to let go of. Definitely, yes. Some we need to turn our backs on, right? That, that's, to me, the idea of, of division, because he said father against mother and mother against son and all that. Uh, it, it, it doesn't mean that I, I don't love them. Right. Right. It doesn't sure. mean that I don't care for them and want to, to help if possible, but I don't find my identity in them. I don't allow them to influence my life. So to that degree, I walk away from relation. Losing a relationship can be painful. Yes. Losing my identity in the world can be painful because mm-hmm. even though I'm a follower of Jesus, I can still, if I'm not careful, be easily influenced by worldly values and um, i need to be um, purified of that Um, now here's something you said in the sermon okay and i want you to to take off with this okay you said these words we were made for this time we have to take our traditional blinders off yeah now first of all what did you mean by we were made for this time this time i think you know, with everything that's happened in the past year, year and a half almost now, um, wow. th- instead of us looking out into the world and seeing what their needs are, I think I think right now the world is looking at us and seeing how we respond to things. Mm, good. Because of everything that's happened, Brianna Taylor, Dante Wright, all that stuff that's gone on, the, the world's looking at us saying, what are you guys going to do about it? What are you doing? I think it's a time, and we have to be made for a time like this. Right. That's not anything to joke around with. I mean, we have to do something about it. And it's and like I said, they're looking at us, and it's it's the opposite now because we were like, hey, let's, hey, look at look at us over here. We're doing this great, and now they're like, hey, what are y'all doing about this over here? Mm, that's a great challenge. Yeah, it's a big one, and I, I know we can do it. That's a great challenge. So what what traditional blinders are we going to have to remove? How how is that hindering us? Well, I'm going to tread with this with light feet. So my background again, I'll, I'll tell you, I did not grow up in the church. Right. Just I, remember, this church. is Jeff Adair Correct. speaking now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that out no, there. No, go right. for it. So when I say traditional blinders, I mean, I guess a, I guess a good way to to do it is what we talked about earlier: the separating the two. But traditions, because I have traditions in my family that, Danny, you would say, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of in my right. life. Why do you guys have blue deviled eggs on Easter, right. whatever it is? Right. Um, so I would say traditionalism. That would be, I guess I should have Ooh. said that, traditionalism. Right. When we have those things that really hinder others from seeing Jesus, and you have to really think about that. And I have to really tread lightly on this because, again, I am not... A Church of Christ. Um, You're not a lifer. I'm not a lifer. Yeah. A COC, a COC lifer. Um, I'll never forget, and this side note here, but I'll never forget the first time I went to a conference. I'll never forget. I got asked five times, what church you go to and where'd you go to school? 
I was like, what is the deal with this introduction here? Like, what? Is this real? And Sarah's like, oh, yeah, that's that's how everybody used to introduce that, themselves. That's your credentials. And I was saying, I was like, that's weird to me, but that's one of those things. Right. So I don't have any of that kind of thing. Um, you know, the TV screens uh, moving up and things like that, um, I will cause a lot of people to be upset. And to me, not come from, coming from the outside, like, okay, they're just TVs. They're not anything that's hindering anything else. Right. Um. And things, you know, just things like that. Um, certain things that have we've grown accustomed to, maybe we should look and see if we set fire to them, are they going to be purified or are they just going to be gone? Mm. Wow. I think it's a time that we should do that because COVID has brought a thing before. You know, as, as church leadership, it has brought us to the forefront saying, what do we need to do now? Because... You know, it's always been, hey, we wouldn't do five years. We always had a five-year plan of all, all these things, uh, get our mission, our values, and everything else out there. But I think it's caused us now, like, what, what, what we got to do right now? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's good because it will set us up for the future because we all know the future is going to be great because we have God is in charge of it. So, mm-hmm. Very good. Very good thoughts that yeah so what i'm when when you say that what i think is traditionalism right the idea that we don't we don't we would never say this but traditionalism is to some degree a form of idolatry oh yeah yeah right so we we put our trust and our worship into the into the man-made the created stuff stuff Right, like a uh, like a a TV or screen or songbook. Oh, songbook, yeah, there you go, yeah. Right, or a church building mm-hmm. or a communion table. Right, or you know those those type of things. That if we were to change it or remove it, it causes you know it causes consternation yeah. within us. It causes some uneasiness in us. Well, why is that? Is it because there is a possibility that I've put some level of faith? In a thing, in an idol, instead of, you know, in the creator God. And again, now we would never say that. It's just the way we've always done it. And so, yeah, we don't ever want to lose tradition. The way way our family does Thanksgiving, dear Lord, please don't let that ever change. I love it. It it, it reminds me of the the past. There's something... There's something familiar, right? And the word familiar comes from the word family. I, I, I don't ever want to lose that, but I don't want to worship that. Right. Um, so it's it's it, to me. I think what I'm hearing you say is traditionalism is a form of idolatry, and now all of that is on the table that we're taking a look at. Because again, the world has changed, yeah. and if we are going to be uh, people who were made for this time, ooh, we we got to look at everything. We got to make some hard decisions. Yes. We have to be purified. Yes, and you know we've talked. I've talked about this with you. Um, how interesting it is that we're looking into camera on the left, camera over here, and then a camera here, and then right. everything's timed out on Sunday now. Right. When you got into ministry, you would never. No. If somebody had told you, hey, Danny, you're going to be looking at the five cameras here in 20 years, you'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's a totally different world. So I think it's time we need to totally reshift how we do things, I think. And the thing is, we need to be open to each other. And that's why I, I, the, uh, some of the thinking behind the sharing part is being vulnerable with each other. So when we, I would love to get a group of people together here at Heartland and start thinking about that stuff and having somebody who just came out of the youth group 
and somebody who has been a COC lifer and having the openness of the person that just came out of the youth group saying, hey, my generation wants to do this at church or sees the church as this and have the openness and honesty for the person sitting across them that's been a COC lifer to say, to not say, how about this, to not say we can never do that. Right. That's what I want. I would love to see that happen. Yeah. Great idea. That we would that we would love each other even though we have differences. Yeah. You know, that's what Paul said in First Corinthians eleven. Yeah. I know there, there there should never be any division among you, but of course I know that there will that there will be differences. Yeah. There will be differences. Right? There are some songs that I grew up as a child that I cut my teeth on, so to speak, in the faith. Yeah. And when I when we sing them, you know, like the old Amazing Grace. Okay, yeah. Uh, to Canaan's land. I go back in time and I remember those formative years. I don't want to I don't want to worship the worship song, but it does it does take me back. Some yeah. of the newer songs, you know, it's not just it's not it's not really me, but I'm learning how to to change and to adjust. So kind of back to what you were just saying, you're you also then you talked about Individually, we have to be purified with fire, but also right now the church needs a purifying fire yes. and a, and some level of division, meaning some separation from whatever type of relationship that we might have had with the church, right? Yeah. Church structure. There you go. Yeah. Church hierarchy, whatever you want to say, so that we can continue to advance forward. That's right. Yeah. So we have to be able to. Take a look at how we've done church, and one of the funniest parts I learned about getting in ministry is they called it corporate worship. I never, I still love that term, uh, that and intergenerational. I love those two terms when we talk about church stuff because it's church to me, but uh, I have a different view again. Um, But yes, I think we should open it up and say, is this working? Is this doing what we set it out to do, or is it, you know, how does it fit into a post-COVID church, to use a new term. Yeah, those are critical conversations, I believe, that we need to have. Yeah. Well, good stuff today. So I guess in closing, um, I would ask you for, give us some final thoughts. How do we move forward? How would you um, encourage us to to put this into practice? Well, I'll say, um, now you guys know know a lot of my story and everything else, the freedom that comes from non-traditionalism mm-hmm. is something that would I would love to be able to share with, with other people because uh, I don't have that and I totally understand why others do and I get it. I totally understand it. But my thing is I, one thing I don't understand is how they cannot let it go. Mm. So I've said that I've had the conversation with many uh, older church members here um, about certain things that have come up and I've always said the same. I've always asked them the same question. Are you wanting a church for you, or are you wanting a church for people 10 years from now? Ouch. And that's what, exactly what they say. They Ouch. look at me and go, why would you ask me that kind of question? Yeah. Because that makes me that make me look at myself. Yeah. Because that's, in my mind, that is what we're supposed to do. And that, I don't know why that's God led, led me to youth ministry, but to make this place a better place than I found it. And yep. that's been my thing. When you asked that question, I, I felt like you just stuck a lighter on, <laughs> on my backside, like, ouch. 
that's painful. Why would you ask that? Yeah. But you know, you're right. Those are those are questions we have to ask. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, pay attention to what we're paying attention to. Oh. You know the images, uh, information that we get, because images and information of evil can you know lead to evil things. Yeah. So we got to keep our minds and and hearts on things that are good. So. I read that in a um, book from a neurosurgeon, Dr. Kurt Thompson. Pay attention. Neurosurgeon. Yeah. Okay. We're yeah, taking this to another level now. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a deep book, that's for sure. Um, but pay attention to what we're paying attention to. I right. just never forgot that. And so we have to also understand our wrongness. Ouch. Yeah. I wish I could tell you how many stories I've heard of of people that are older than me and younger than me that have been hurt by the church things that they have done and when i when they tell me what they've done i'm like okay i I understand you know you're human and one of the things like i've mentioned to you before youth ministry when i first got into it they told me remember jesus's words from the cross they don't know what they're doing Mm -hmm. so when they told like the church made me go forward and confess my sins in front of everyone that just makes me shudder like right. why why would you do that or an older person saying to a kid hey you can't clap during worship I just hear stories of that and go that hurts that hurts my heart and I wasn't even involved in the story Right. like that isn't showing love now I say that and that's not showing love that person that may have gone to that thought they were but I would ask them, set fire to it, and you'll see that it's gone. It's not going to be purified because it's not good. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't talk to, to people that way. You shouldn't be loving that way. Uh, so it, and understand our own wrongness, and we're a spiritual hospital. I know there's been tons of analogies of that. But the workers keep it running. So we need, we need a lot of workers right now. So when we uh, look at ourselves, set things on fire, share it with other people, share it with a group of people we need more workers and that's I think that's what's going to happen from it is we're going to be so in tune with each other and each other's lives that nothing but good can come from it so because we have to move forward together and being vulnerable when talking about tough subjects because that's what's going to happen now we're going to have to talk about tough things (laughs) but we're going to have to be vulnerable enough to share the stories of hurt why it hurts and then how do we move forward together? Because think about this, Danny. Talk about the elephant across the highway. We've got another church across Church of Christ across the highway. Think about this. We could all come together and worship. And if somebody doesn't want to eat with us, they just go home. They don't start a new church. <laughs> Novel idea. That's it crazy, right? Yeah. In my mind, when I became a Christian, that was one of the things I just thought about, like, that is the thing that I think we're called to do. I don't agree with everything that that person does. Right. But I'm just, I don't want to eat in the building because I believe this. So I'm just going to go home and eat. I'm not going to love them any differently. I'm not going to love them any more, any less. Just, just the same. You, you don't get on social media and blast them out of the water? I do not. No. So no that's not a way to what? do it either. Yeah. I thought that's I thought that's the norm. I thought that's what we're supposed to do. Mm, that that is the norm, Danny. But we're not supposed to be normal. <laughs> we're supposed to, we're called to be Jesus. Yeah. 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 Wow. 
Yeah. Well, good. Good stuff today. Or did you have another point that you wanted to, I think, to share? Well, I'll say I was, I, I, this is one thing that I'll have to leave it on is embrace change. Yep. Because it's going to change. Oh, yeah. Good point. It is changing. Yeah. It, it's changing whether or not we change. That's right. Are we going to keep up? Yes, that's the thing. We're going to keep up. So that we can be influencers in the um, culture and community around us. You're right. Yeah. Oh, good stuff, man. That's a lot, lot to think about. Well, Jeff, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I'm on the opposite end of this, and now I'm back to next week. I'll be back to the other side. I'm, I'm ready for it. That's right. So anyway, give us the 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 email. I don't know what the email is for the podcast oh, or questions. C-O-C digital media at gmail.com. Very good. Well, I hope everyone has a wonderful week, and I hope that you had a chance to listen and process this information that that we shared today and, and get in there and trust Jesus with your life, knowing that, yes, he's going to burn things off, and at first there won't be peace. Uh, because there are things we've got to work on. We've got to change and embrace our wrongness. Well, I really like that point, yeah. just to admit I was wrong. Yeah. I w- we were wrong. Yeah, we've been wrong. So, excellent, because this Sunday I'm thinking about the fact that, we, we again, we, we spend so much time talking about the message of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is critically important. But the idea is the medium is the message, and we are the medium. We are the message of Jesus to this world, and it's exactly what you were saying. What what message are we communicating? Well, here's the easy way to to discover it. Look at how we're living. Are are we in the midst of the world around us, or are we secluded from them? So the medium is the message, and I'm kind of playing with that idea for Sunday. Uh, and I think it will be a, a message of challenge, but also a message of encouragement. That's good. Every day when you read the Bible, that's what, that's what it does. That's right. I like that. That's right. So anyway, everybody have a, a great week. Jeff, thank you again. May God bless you. Look forward to being together uh, a week from today. Yeah, so we'll see you guys. Have a great week.